I know when I go to visit these places, I'm going to meet characters I call I'm Just. And I call them I'm Just because when I ask them what they do as part of a team, they always start their self-description with I'm Just. I'm just in sales, I'm just in marketing, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a receptionist, I'm just a forklift truck driver. Seriously, you know, you're not I'm Just. You know, you are you, and you know, and you could be brilliant at what you do. You know, I, I don't, I don't want people like that. I want people in my team saying, "I tell you what, I'm a bar person, and I tell you what, I'm a brilliant bar person. I love what I do, uh, and what really excites me is when anybody comes into our pub here, wherever it is, our restaurant. I, I want to blow their socks off. Yeah, and and so I, that's that's my real passion is is everyday people being extraordinary. Hi, my name is Andy Ramage. Welcome to my podcast, where I attempt to share the story behind the story of thought leaders, authors, athletes, everyday heroes, and alcohol-free adventurers who have found meaning and purpose through their work, while also sharing some of their greatest wisdom. Let's do this. When you witness someone performing at their peak, it's a beautiful thing whether that's on the sporting field, in business, or when delivering a speech. This week's guest, Adrian Webster, is one of the greatest motivational speakers I have ever seen or heard. Every month, I invite a special guest speaker to host a workshop for our ongoing self-development community, the Mind and Body Gym. And Adrian's talk was exceptional. It was like watching a master at work. There were tears, loads of laughs, and tons of learning. And you could feel the passion behind every single word. Adrian has clearly found his calling and his arity. But it wasn't always this way. Adrian started out as a riot police officer, would you believe? After realising this wasn't the career for him, he spent several years helping to grow a milk business by selling door to door to help reframe the experience of rejection as he knocked on door after door, he started to give the people that he would meet names, such as Neg Ferret or Bloaters. And this reframe allowed him to keep knocking on doors and make a great success of this milk business. Eventually, Adrian left the milk business and moved into IT sales. There's a transition. However, the skills he mastered during his time as a milk salesman enabled him to become one of the top salesman in the whole IT industry, eventually running a team of over 150 sales staff. As the team grew, Adrian started to motivate the team with stories of neg ferrets and bloaters, who you'll meet during the talk, which evolved into his first and brilliant book and how I first heard of Adrian, The Polar Bear Pirates, a grown-up book for kids at work. During one of these talks, a client happened to be in the office and was so impressed that he asked Adrian to deliver a talk to his staff and the rest, as you will find out, is history. Adrian is a wonderful example of how you can grow your passion during the many twists and turns of life. I hope you enjoy our chat, which is hilariously funny at times with a powerful message. All right, let's do this. Now, before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Yes, we have a sponsor out the traps. For the podcast and not just any sponsor, Athletic Greens is the most comprehensive daily nutritional drink I've ever tried. And it was really important to me to align with a sponsor that were aligned with my values and a product that I actually used and genuinely I've been using Athletic Greens for several years now. And I got into it when I first started to transition my diet from a very poor one to an optimal one. And it was listening to podcasts such as the Rich Roll podcast, the Tim Ferriss podcast, and later 
Rongan Chatterjee's podcast, who are all partners with Athletic Greens. I thought, I've got to give this stuff a try. And it has been a game changer for me. My morning routine, as many of you will know, looks like this. I walk downstairs, fill up a large glass of water, drink it, fill up half full another glass of water, pour in a scoop of Athletic Greens, fill it up to the top, drink that on the bike. Now, I know I might have freaked lots of Athletic Green users out who might be like, you can't put the Athletic Green scoop in the middle. It has to go in at the start or at the end. But that's the way I like to use it. And it's like my nutritional insurance because even with an optimal diet like I have now, life gets in the way. Stressors, lack of time, travel, all of those things are there to trip us up. But I know if I've had my Athletic Greens in the morning, I'm like job done. And here's the thing, it is packed. Let me give you some of like the science and what's actually going on inside this drink. Each scoop's got around 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, multivitamins, multiminerals, probiotics, green superfood blends, and so much more. It basically fills all those nutritional gaps. That's why I use it. And this is where it gets interesting for you guys. Right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system, so they're offering my listeners a free, F-R-E-E, one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Basically, you'll never have to buy vitamin D again. Right, so whether you're looking for peak performance, you're trying to just level up in your life, you're trying to fill those nutritional gaps, you're an alcohol-free adventurer trying to replenish your body, right, this is the drink for you. Simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage, right, and join the alcohol-free adventurers, athletes, health-conscious go-getters from around the world who make a daily commitment to their health. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. Adrian, let's do this. Welcome, my man. Welcome. Thank you. And actually, before we kick it off, I just wanted to talk about how we sort of got to know each other, which was that I read your book about nine years ago when I first got into the whole self-development thing. I loved it. The Polar Bear Pirates. It's a brilliant little book. We will get to that um, a bit later. And then a couple of years ago, I think, I received a message from you on LinkedIn talking about taking a break from alcohol and I thought this is brilliant Adrian Webster Adrian Webster that can't be the Adrian Webster the guy that wrote the polar bear pirates and I did a quick bit of searching and went it is that Adrian Webster I was so thrilled that you know you'd given me so much through that book and then I had this opportunity to talk to you about taking a break from alcohol and felt I could give something back to you and since then we've remained friends you've done some workshops for me we like to catch up every now and again and wax lyrical about all the benefits of taking a break from alcohol. So I thought we'd start there. Where are you at the moment on that alcohol-free adventure? Right. Well, with the with the, the alcohol, let me explain. I didn't I didn't sort of have a uh, a, a major problem with alcohol. Yeah, uh, absolutely. What I needed to do though, I need I realised the sort of lifestyle I've got. I needed to find some more energy. I had books to write and, and lots and lots of uh, conferences, events to speak at, a lot of travelling. And I just thought, and I, I read about you and, and what, what it had done for you. And I thought, i tell you what, I, I, I fancy giving it a go, going alcohol-free. Uh, yeah. let, let's do this and, and see how much energy, how, how much, how, how I can boost my performance. Uh, and it worked wonders. Uh, and I did 100 days. I did exactly 100 Get days. Yeah. yeah, I was really, and uh, I lost weight. I was sleeping better, all the usual stuff. But the most important thing for me, I, 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 found, I found I had more energy. 
just having a couple of beers. Really enjoyable. It's great for sort of those two or three hours sat there and chilling out. But the next day, I just feel a bit foggy, just a bit slow, a bit not quite myself. And and I didn't want to feel like that. You know, I wanted to get out of bed and and, and make the the absolute most of my day. Uh, So the 100 days is great. And what it's done, it's recalibrated it. It is yeah. how I sort of see it in my head, in that I will sort of quite happily now, on the odd occasion, say, have a pint, uh, have, have, a, have a gin and tonic, whatever, have a glass of wine on the very odd occasion now. But I, I, I've got take my hat off to you. I, thought, I think what you've done is absolutely brilliant, and uh, you are uh, an absolute inspiration. So, okay. Yeah, and I, and I loved being able to share something with you and give something back to you, and, and we've had loads of conversations about this, and I think you're in a really nice place with it now where a lot of people would like to get to where it's a bit do you know what i take it i'll leave it that mindless drinking's gone and it's like i might have a pint of guinness if i wish on occasion if not i won't and you know what it's like to be on the fun side of the island to have your motivation your mojo and all that stuff yeah you know i i, I can go out and have a great night out and, and have a, a lot of fun without without pouring alcohol in myself yeah. i just it's just me personally you know as um as someone once said to me once who's alcohol free and they're, they're a brilliant person uh, uh, and they turned around and said, uh, yeah, it's a guy called Jeff Birch. Jeff Birch, another another speaker out there. Very, very bright guy. Hysterically funny guy. Uh, and uh, I said to him once, I said, apparently you're alcohol-free, Jeff. And he said, oh, he's, not, he's got this lovely, I think it's a Gloucestonian. Is it Gloucestonian? Is that the word? Gloucestonian. He's yeah. got a Gloucestonian. Uh, and he said to me, oh, he said, my mind races around all over the place. The last thing I want to do is start putting fuel in it. Uh, and I, <laughs> yeah, I, that's so how true. That's how it feels with me, really. Seriously, I don't. I don't need to pour booze in here to, to, to be full of energy. I, I'm, I have enough problems of controlling it. <laughs> yeah, as it is, as we will discover, as we will discover. All right. Well, I thought what we do is I want to get into the backstory, and and again, the idea behind this podcast really is to try and uncover how you ended up in this place of arete. It's this ancient Greek word that I love, a r e t e, that means to fulfil your potential your full potential to achieve excellence and find more meaning and purpose and your story's done that and and, and it's going to unfold as we talk and i think the listeners will realize quite quickly that you are totally full of meaning and purpose in what you now do as a motivational speaker and author but i want to get to the story of how you got there because very often the story of how people reach this place of arate is a messy twist and turny affair of failures and luck and obstacles and then da-da, one day they wake up in this place of meaning and your story is definitely the epitome of that so I thought we'd start really early on you've left school and you find yourself as a riot policeman yeah I'm not I'm not a particularly academic person or I was reasonably good at sport and uh uh I, I the police really appealed to me I was going to go in the army uh, then right. a local police sergeant where I lived in Somerset so, you know, if you go in the army, you know, it's great and all that. But in the police, it's brilliant because every day you, you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, you, you're yeah. in the front line every day. You know, it's, and I thought, yeah, wow, go have some of that. So I joined the police and got posted to Bristol Central. And then I got, a, I got moved to St. Paul's in Bristol where we, where we had the riots. And uh, yeah. I was on the, uh, I, was, I, was, I got involved in the riots, got injured in the riots, got uh, hit in the head with a brick or something. Uh, uh, I wasn't sort of quite quick enough. Um, right. It was it was scary times, and uh, yeah. I enjoyed being a police officer. Uh, it was a real challenge. It just wasn't for me. I was enjoying it, but I just didn't feel I was completely fulfilling myself, and, and I, I didn't know what I didn't know what talents I had, uh, but I just wasn't using 
whatever it is I had deep down inside. And I know that doesn't make sense, Bobby, but but that's how I felt. Um, I enjoyed it, and I, I suppose I'm pretty good at it. And I had some great mates around me. Uh, the camaraderie was fantastic. So I decided to leave. I left and I went to college in Southampton. I think it was called, yeah, Southampton College of Higher Education, where I did, I studied a, uh, a course called ISVA, which is the Incorporated Society of Values and Auctioneers. Uh, that's what I did. And when I was there, I started doing a little bit of comedy acting. Uh, right. I'd, never, I'd never done any any acting in my life apart from the odd little small part in a school play. Uh, and when I got there, I, I got involved in doing some sort of comedy sketch writing, putting on right. the, odd little, the odd little sketch here and there. Uh, and people started sort of saying, oh, perhaps you should consider going to drama college. Uh, then members of my family said, oh, don't become an actor. Actor, there's, there's thousands of unemployed actors. And keep focus, stay with what you're doing and, and going go into the commercial world. Being a lot young, I sort of listened to it and all the rest of it and thought, yeah, that's what I'll, that's what I'll do. When I was in my second year of a three-year course, my girlfriend's father, a farmer in Somerset, uh, turned around to me and said, I'd like to start supplying our farm milk direct to all the, the towns in the area, or, uh, to, to, to households right, okay. and shops. Uh, I'm looking for someone to come and start a dairy company up with me. I thought, yes, yes, I want that's that. That's me. I'll do that. I'll do that. So I started off with a little mini pickup truck and we started buying milk from a, another farmer to start with. Then we built our own bottling plant. And what I used to do is go out knocking on hundreds of doors every, yeah. every evening, trying to persuade people to, to, to ditch their milkman of, of 20 years and buy our fresh farm milk, fresh from the farm. Uh, and, and that's when I sort of got into sales, really. So I started knocking on doors and it was it was extremely uh, hard work, but great, yeah. great fun. And I was getting up really early in the morning and we were delivering this milk all night. Oh, it was, it was, it was hectic. And just, just on that note, you know, knocking on doors, as it were. I mean, that's not even cold calling. That's cold knocking <laughs> on doors, seeing the person in front of you. I mean, that must yeah. have been incredibly rewarding when it went well and also incredibly difficult. How did you manage that? Well, to start with, I was absolutely rubbish at it because I used, I used to take rejection really personally. Yeah. Someone would say no and, oh, and you know, sort of sulk about it, you know, go and sit in the car and sulk, you know, and don't want it. I'll milk it. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so what I did was, and this sounds like I'm going bonkers here, but Nana Gagan, most people were lovely and they were very polite and yeah. they'd say, look, thank you, but no, thank you. But now and again, you come across someone who was really rude and, and obnoxious. Uh, and I'd sort of look at them and I started developing these characters in my head. So I'd knock on someone's door, ring the door up. Uh, and someone would come to the door, but, you know, and it, it tended to be a bloke. And, and they, they'd sort of say, oh, you know, my wife's not interested. And they'd sort of, and they, they'd use some pretty aggressive language to me. And I'd just look at them and just think, oh, bloater. You know, blow down. a blow to it. <laughs> Boasting, lazy, obnoxious, and tediously egotistical reptilian saddle. Uh, they're, they're one of the characters in in in, in the world of Pokemon. Yeah. Or I I go to some knock on another door and they they they'd say something like, "Oh, I'll tell you what, you're wasting your time. You are. You're wasting your time and all this sort of stuff. Trying to start a dairy company up." And I look at them. I just think, "Neg ferret, neg ferret." Yeah. A neg, the neg ferret. You. Anyone watching this will probably recognise them. They're, they're, 
they, they, they have a problem for every solution. It's just man, 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 man. They're, they're the ones who light up the room when they walk out. They just sort of, they, put, <laughs> they just put a downer on everything in life. Yeah. So, and I, I'm a person, I'm a polar bear pirate. I believe in life before death. And, and these people just sort of, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But, but so I'd start creating these little characters. And what yeah. I, was, I was able to make it a game, a bit of a fun game. So I'd go knock on all these doors and I'd start looking to collect sort of neg ferrets and bloaters. Uh, and other people who, who I used to persuade to come out with me, uh, friends and family, whoever, to come out and sort of do a bit of door knocking with me, uh, they started adopting the same thing and, and they found it a lot easier to deal with it. It, was, it became a game. It became fun. So anyway, I built the dairy business up, did a few other things. And then the turning point was I absolutely blagged my way into the IT industry as a sales guy. And became a, a, a pretty good salesperson and I, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I found something. I, I, it was all about relationships. I could you know, spend my life going out. I, I remember turning around to my boss at the time and said, I feel a bit of a fraud because I'm, I'm earning really good money from this. And yet all I do, I just get in a car, go and visit people, get on really well with them uh, and sort their problems out for them. And he turned around and said, that's sales. That's uh, and it, I could earn, you know, compared to what I've been earning before, I could earn huge amounts of money uh, just from building relationships up, sorting people's problems out. Uh, and I just, I just loved it. So the guys who owned the company, and I'm going a long way around this, the guys who owned the company in their wisdom decided to put me in charge of 150 other salespeople overnight. Wow. Uh, that's when I got into, into managing people. And now that, well, I just fell in love with that. That was that was just brilliant. And just before we get into that, just I just want to go back to your time as a milkman. Were a lot of those skills transferable? All that knocking yeah. on the door oh. and that rejection, and because now you're in sales, essentially that is sales at the you know at the coal face, isn't it? Sales is difficult enough, but yeah. knocking on people's doors, sales, that is an incredible skill set that you build up there, and that that thick skin, that men mentality to keep showing up making it into a game absolutely uh, and i remember at my interview uh, for the, the the it company you know them saying you know nothing about it you know nothing about computers and i said no i, I don't and i don't need to but i know about people so for example i go and see a, a, a customer a big client whatever and i'd sit there and they'd start asking me technical questions i'd say i don't know the answer to that but let me just pick up the phone and i can put you on the phone to someone who does have the answers uh, you know, my, my thing was, was about relationships and it, it was so transferable. And because I was used to, by then, used to sort of cold calling, you know, going and sort of visiting semi-warm accounts was, was a piece of cake. It was easy, compared, yeah. Yeah, compared with, you know, being told to whatever on a, on a doorstep by someone. Right. Uh, and, and, and I loved it. So then, you know, they gave me this big team of people. Uh, again, I wasn't, I was pretty hopeless as a manager to start with. I just... I just assumed that, you know, I'm a reasonably nice guy. I tend to get on well with just about everybody. And I was a, a good salesperson. I thought managing people would be a right, you know, right in the park. How wrong I was. It was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was, it, there's a real art to it. Getting the yeah. very best out of people. Getting people to really believe in themselves, to become the best version of themselves. Getting them to want to make a difference. Getting them to want to deliver, you know, an outstanding customer service for, for their customers there. But I became obsessed with it. I became yeah. absolutely obsessed with it. And, and I remember 
going, if I go back to the dairy thing, I remember when I was back at the, the dairy company, I was, I didn't realise it at the time, but I, I suppose I was being quite creative in a funny way. Uh, I, I keep this on my desk as a reminder of where it all started. And, and the dairy company is called Mendit Marigold. And, I, and I for anyone it, listening, you're, you're holding I up a bottle, an empty milk bottle, basically, at the moment. I don't actually remember. I drew, a, I drew this cow myself, and I remember getting a lot of pleasure from some rubbish at drawing, from drawing a cow. And I came up with this slogan, which at the time I was immensely proud of. When interviewed, 10 out of 10 cows said they preferred their milk delivered from their doorstep to your, uh, from, from their doorstep, listen to me, from their farm direct to your doorstep. So I love it. Somewhere, somewhere inside me was this little creative person sort of trying to get out. Uh, and it's only when I look back, I realised when I was a, a police officer, you know, I, I couldn't really allow that creative little person inside me, my, my sort of inner child to sort of come out, you know. It's a, so, so anyway, I got in the IT industry, sales, trying to motivate big teams of people. And they started bolting more and more people. And I became absolutely obsessed with why, say, out of a team of maybe 100 people, there were two or three people that were just truly extraordinary. Uh, and I started begging interviews with the rich, the famous, the billionaires, the entrepreneurs. And then people finding about, out about the interviews I was doing started to contact me uh, with people who were incredibly successful, but they, they weren't rich or famous. There was a, a, a nursing sister at the Bristol Royal Infirmary. There was a guy, um, a guy who collects rubbish off the streets of Manchester who regarded as incredibly successful. What I found was they all share 13 uh, different things in common that they all have in common. So I became obsessed with how do you get some, somebody to want to get out of bed, uh, to come into the workplace and really be truly extraordinary. I've always been able to understand, Andy, people yeah. doing remarkable things like climbing mountains, sailing oceans, trekking to the North and South Pole. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's incredibly ins inspirational. But... The side of motivation that excites me is what motivates what I'd call an everyday person yeah. to get out of bed and, and, and climb their own mountains. What motivates someone in admin, someone in marketing, someone in HR, someone in, in, in IT, finance? What motivates an everyday person, someone like me, to, to really uh, make, make a difference there? And how did you, managing your team of 150, how did you start to bring all that lovely knowledge that you were building into that practical sense to motivate the everyday person well part, a big part of the role was standing up on a regular basis in front of my teams and, and giving these little motivational chats to them right now i started doing that and oh boy i i, I get nervous still to this day before i speak and i used to be oh i used to be petrified in those days but i got up and started doing it and if i'm being a big head people seem to love it and, and i <laughs> about loving being in management i can't i can't think of a word i just i just realized when i was doing it this is me yeah. uh, this is what i'm all about it's it's just in my dna and what i found i could do was i could make it fun and interesting so i could sort of well, the sort of couple of little lessons i learned from trying to do put on comedy sketches back at college all these years yeah i could sort of I could make it funny. I could make it different. I could be, you know, for example, if we were talking to, I was talking to telesales people, you get the average person come in and they talk about, listen, what we've got to try to do is get your personality 
across over the telephone to the client at the other end. My way of saying that, I jump up on desks and I grab a phone, a phone line, you know, and I say, you see this phone line here? You see how thin it is? We've got to get, how much do you think you weigh? Let's pretend you weigh 12, we've got to get all 12 stones down that phone line, into the back client, before our competitors get there. And then when we get in there, we've got to excite their brain and we've got to go beyond and exceed their expectations. And I'd, sort of, and I'd start talking, and, and my sales guy started adopting neg ferrets and bloaters. Uh, you know, and so instead of hating co-calling, they get to really enjoy it. Yeah. And was, then the big thing was when when I, I, I came up with this term TNTs, tiny noticeable things. Yeah. Uh, how TNTs really quick? They're all the little things that people don't need to do, but when they do do them, that they make such a big difference that they, they they blow people away. It's when someone goes that little extra step, goes beyond expectations. Uh, and there's a little sonic boom in the other person's head. Uh, it just blows people away. We had so much fun. So what I yeah. what I'd started to do without realizing it, I'd started to strip out all the theoretical psychobabble of motivation uh, and create this world. I called it polar bear pirates. Yeah. Uh, this world of polar bear pirates, and it, and it worked. And just just when you're in that place, you're creating this this world for, for the team. You know, as you're talking, we can hear all those sort of pieces of the puzzle start to come together. That experience from being the milkman, that sort of tug. You keep describing this little tug, isn't it, to something different, yeah. your meaning, your purpose. I think that is that tug to your arate. Yeah. You're hearing that call to adventure yes. that you've had the courage to follow from, you know, the police force into, you know, becoming a milkman into IT. Now you're using those skills, you know, the, the acting that the, the amateur dramatic starts to come to the forefront. Now you find yourself almost in your element. And when you describe it, you come alive again. It's like I was talking on stage. I could be comedic. I could bring in, you know, and refine all that psycho babble into meaningful points, use all of that experience. And then, boom, here I am. I'm starting to find my meaning and purpose. And then how do you then transition? Where's that transition? Now you're in IT, but you're still in sales. And then somehow you end up in the motivational world. We used to invite in probably once a month a, a, an external speaker and we get everybody in the company together and, and we had some wonderful speakers came in. Uh, and if I'm honest, they, they tended to be, you know, Olympians. They tended to be, you know, polar explorers. They tended to be people who had a story that, that was incredibly inspirational. And I remember on a, a few occasions, some of my people in my teams, they, they made the comment, they said, you should be doing that. And I'd look at them and think, well, how am I going to do that? You know, I've never, yeah. I've never won an Olympic gold medal. I've never climbed up Mount Everest. You know, I've never done anything like that. You know, I'm an everyday guy working in IT. You know, who, who's sort of in 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 leadership. Um, so I just didn't. So I just dismissed it. And then what happened? One evening, I'm doing this talk to the entire company, and I've been bounding around and I'm doing my stuff, and and then. One of my guys who worked with me came up to me and said, um, Adrian, uh, one of our biggest clients, is a guy called Ron Fenwick, uh, one of our biggest clients is at the back of the room. He's been listening to what you've been saying. He, he wants to have a chat with you. And at first I was horrified at it because we've not just been talking about inspirational stuff. We've been talking about you know, bottom line. We've been talking about money, about profit. Right, and yeah. Like, oh god, you know, we have we have you know some external person listening to that. So anyway, I went to the back of the room uh, and I was waiting for a bit of a rollicking about something or other. And he, he just looked at me and he said, Adrian, he said, 
if I get all my people together one evening uh, and I get pizzas in and whatever, I hold them back for an hour after work. Would you just come and tell my people what you told your people? And I said, yeah. So I went along, did that. And then a week later, his friend in London rang me up and said, could you come up to London one evening after work and just have a chat with my team? So I spent the next really? seven years, seven years running around in my spare time, sort of doing these talks uh, and just absolutely love it. But I never really sort of thought I could you know, make a living from it or sort of, you know, I just didn't sort of see that. And then one evening I, I'm doing a, a I put a, a talk on locally and invited loads and loads of people along uh, to come and see it. Uh, and there was an agent in the room. And the agent afterwards came up to him and said, you should be on the speaker circuit. I thought, what? This, you should be on the speaker circuit. Uh, and that was it. Uh, and next thing, they, they got me a couple of uh, gigs to go and speak at. Uh, and that was 20 years ago. And it's just been nuts. It's been It's been brilliant. Why? Well, back a bit because that was really important. I didn't know that. So for seven years, and that's almost yeah. identical to the amount of time that I spent running a brokerage whilst mm. doing all of my self-development and you know all the things yeah. I do now. I'm writing the books and the degrees. Seven years. So for seven years, you did it part time whilst still being an IT manager, yeah. running your team, but learning the skill, honing the skill of motivational speaking. And it wasn't until after that period again you know, the fact that you had the courage to put on this show, someone's watching and says, do you want to, yeah. you know, come onto the circuit? Now, at that point there, and I'm really interested in that, that still takes a ton of courage. Again, that is your call to adventure. Here you are, you've spent seven years, clearly you're well-respected in that industry. You've built up this career. I'm sure it was a well-paid career. And now it's like, come and do this speaking thing full-time. You know, that's a massive, massive, you know, gamble, yeah. ask, leap of yeah. faith. How did that go down for you? Well, you know, Louise, my wife and I, we, we, you know, we talked it through and I just, Andy, it was just something I had to do. It wasn't, yeah. if I'm honest, the decision, you know, I'd already, you know, I already knew what I was going to do. Uh, I just had to do it. And, and it was just, you know, I, I kid you not, if you got to know me, I'm pretty hopeless at most things in life. You know, it's just, <laughs> you know, honestly, like, you know, even like, even when I was in the police, you know, driving a car or something, a police car, I was, I was always praying, you know, I got, right, you, know, yeah. you know, just sort of hopeless at most things in my life. But when it comes to the speaking, when it comes to standing on stage or being in a room full of people, I just, oh, I just feel like I'm, I just feel like I'm me. It's just completely what I'm meant to be. And the reason is, I'm not just saying it, I absolutely love it. Yeah. The, I, to me, there's no better feeling than seeing someone, their eyes light up, but so, and you come out, come away, and you've made a difference, just one person in that audience. You know, I, I talk very much about a character called I'm Just Characters. I'm Just. You know, now and again, when I'm invited to visit, when you write a new book and the book comes out, you get invited to go and visit certain organisations. As a working-class lad, I'm almost chopped as a train. It's a massive honour. But I know when I go to visit these places, I'm going to meet characters I call I'm Just. And I call them I'm Just because when I ask them what they do as part of a team, they always start their self-description with I'm Just. I'm just in sales. I'm just in marketing. I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a receptionist. I'm just a forklift truck driver. Uh, and I want to shake these people. Uh, you know, <laughs> seriously, you know, you're not I'm Just. You know, you are you. And, you know, and you can be brilliant at what you do. Uh, and if I'm on my high horse here, I think that's one of the 
big problems we have is a lot of people are in roles, they're in jobs where they see it as just some sort of stopgap. You know, oh, I, I'm just doing this. As, you know, I'm 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 a, I'm a, I'm a bar person, uh, but it's it's only time to sort of, you know become a, a vet or whatever. You know, I, I don't I don't want people like that. I want people in my team saying, I tell you what, I'm a bar person, and I tell you what, I'm a brilliant bar person. I love what I do, uh, and what really excites me is when anybody comes into our pub here, wherever it is, our restaurant, I, I want to blow their socks off. Yeah, and mm. and so. I, that's that's my real passion is is everyday people being extraordinary. That uh, reminds making... me of of that lovely story. I think it's Kennedy, one of the the presidents, sort of walking around NASA or being shown around NASA, and there was a janitor sweeping the floor, and he says to the janitor, "What do you do?" And he says, "Well, I'm part of the team that's putting a, a man on the moon." Yeah, it's just well, it's great. It wasn't like I'm sleeping sweeping the floors, I'm yeah. just a janitor, or I'm just a. It was like I'm part of the team that's putting yeah. the first man on the moon or whatever it is. And that's what it is. It's finding flow, isn't it? It's finding your element, your purpose in whatever it is you choose well, to well, do. Well, I think life is so, so, so brief. It's so yeah. short. I talk about the 44.4 seconds, you know. Instead of planet Earth being 4,600 million years old, if it was 46 years of age, if you lived to be 100, you would get 44.4 seconds. Yeah, and, and I don't want to waste a crotchet of time. I don't want to waste a moment of my life. And going back to the alcohol thing at the beginning there, you know, I, I didn't have a drink from, but I didn't want to waste a moment. I didn't want to yeah. waste a morning with a headache or, or feeling, you know, I want to be out of bed. I want to be outside walking the dog. I want to be, you know, I, I want to, as you say in your, 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 your talks, I want to be on it. You know, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't I'll, I'll be really fed up when I die. You know, I don't sort of, I, I, <laughs> no, seriously, I'll be really feed off. I love life. And, yeah. and, and I can't, you know, I just want to get as much of it as I possibly can. I want to fit as much in as I can before, you know, my toes curl up one day. Yeah. So so here you are. You've, you've found your meaning, your purpose, your arate. You're stepping yeah. out into this world of motivational speaking. And I'm sure it wasn't this beautiful linear path to full no. bookings. What no, were the obstacles that you oh, faced? Oh, you know, seriously. I've had so many neg for it, so many barriers in my way, you know, I, uh, when I first started out speaking, I had a, a guy come up out of the audience afterwards, and I always remember, and he, he looked at me, he said, you know, he said, you'll, you'll never make it as a speaker. I said, really? He said, nah. He said, look at you. Look at you. He said, you know, you don't look a million dollars. He said, the top motivational speakers, he said, they all look a million dollars. Look at your teeth. Look at your hair. Look at you. Look at, look at your, what you're wearing and all that. And I thought, right, okay, well, I'll use that to my advantage then. Yeah. So you know, on, a, on a speaker circuit that's full of people who've done incredible things, my whole thing is I'm an everyday guy, which I am, uh, and I'm talking about you know being successful and being yeah. happy and content uh, as an everyday people, making little differences. Uh, and so that's what I am, you know, and, and, and I don't try to, when I'm speaking, I don't try to come across as Barack Obama as an orator. You know, I, I'm not. I, I knee and I talk, you know, with my heart. And, and, and so that's it. And then, then when it came to writing my first book, you know, I remember coming back from a meeting and, and the guy sat next to me. I, I said to him, I'm thinking about writing a book. And I always remember, he just looked at me, he said, Adrian, he said, you'll never write a bleak book. <laughs> you'll never write a book. And, you know, when Louise, my wife, used to go up to bed at night, you know, we'd watch the sort of 10 o'clock news in those days. It'd get around about 11 o'clock, you know. Yeah. I was absolutely, I was absolutely cream crackered, you know, from being at work all day. I turned my computer on and I and I bashed the first polar bear pirate book out with this Brilliant. voice in my head saying, "You'll never write a book." 
Uh, they, Andy, honestly, I just see rejection as an accolade. If you're getting rejected for something, you're doing something, and it's an accolade that you, you're doing something with your life, you know. And I totally agree. Yeah. Unless you're stepping and, outside and your you comfort zone, you can get off the bus and get on another bus. You know, you don't have to stay on the same bus all your life. <laughs> you can, you can, you can jump off and hop on another one. And that's so true, though, because that's the thing: is you know, not only do you find the courage to follow your path to meaning and purpose there's so many obstacles in the way there's all of those neg ferrets and those bloaters that want to come out the woodwork and put you down until you can't you're not good enough you're not handsome enough you're not perfect enough for the speaking you're not clever enough to write a book yet here you are you know with this wonderful career you know you've written several books one of which i mentioned at the start polar bear pirates and then your latest one tnts and i want to get to that in a second but i just thought for people listening, I'm sure they're interested at this stage. Just give us the quick whistle-stop overview of The Polar Bear Pirates because it is one of my favourite books, and then maybe we'll talk about uh, the latest book. Okay, Polar Bear Pirates came about. I had a, a chance, very brief meeting uh, years ago. With, you're ready for the name drop with Richard Branson. Uh, and I, I, came away, I came away thinking, wow, uh, you know, I, I, you know just, I could feel the energy from the guy and uh, the yeah. positivity. And, um uh, but when you're chatting to him for a little while, you you know you realise he's he's a very focused person, very very driven, very focused. Uh, and shortly after that, I was watching a documentary on polar bears, uh, and he was explaining that a polar bear, uh, as well as being one of the most cuddly, cuddly uh, animals on the planet, it's also one of the most aggressive predators on on the planet. Uh, you know, and so I started in my mad mind. So equating Richard Branson to a polar bear, you know, he's this warm, cuddly, genuinely nice guy, yeah. lovely, friendly guy. But underneath is very sort of focused, he's very sort of driven. So shortly after that, I'm listening, I'm driving down the M4 motorway and I'm listening to an interview with Joan Collins, the actress. Uh, and the interviewer said, Joan, you went to Hollywood when thousands of very talented, beautiful actresses went there. How come you're the one who made it? And I always remember in typical sort of Joan Collins fashion, she turned around and she said, oh, my darling, you have to be a pirate in life. You have to go out there and knock on doors and make things happen. Love it. And, and I put the two together in my head. I thought that the Richard Bransons, these people, the most successful people I know, they're genuinely caring, lovely people, but they're also very focused. They're, 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 and they have the audacity to the cheek to to disrupt things, to change things, to go and steal opportunities. They, 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 you know, they take opportunities when they come their way. They're pirates. Uh, and I thought, yes, yeah. so I went in and, and I said to all my teams, right, guys, listen, listen, That's we're going to be polar pirates. <laughs> I remember looking, them looking at me thinking, oh, my God, he's on drugs. What the hell is he on about? Uh, but that, that, but polar bear pirates are the people who believe in life before death. They're the people who regard opportunities uh, as problem, problems as being pregnant with opportunity. They're the people who, who, who get things done. They're the people who, um, who take that extra step for other people. Their arch enemy is a neg for it. They're the people who always, always give people a lift uh, around them. They're, they're the people who, they're more passionate and enthusiastic about other people and what they're capable of achieving than they are themselves. Uh, that's that's the polar bear pirate. You're a polar bear pirate, Andy. You're definitely. I love it. Absolutely. I think that's why I resonated with the book, and it's a short book, and I'd recommend everyone read it. It is brilliant. You know, it's one of my favourite motivational books. It's got all those wonderful characters in. A short book because I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it short, yeah. exactly. For lots just of little, lots of little words. 
Exactly. Tiny, tiny words. Let's not put any big words in there. But again, I, I loved it for that reason. I had no idea of the story behind it. I didn't know about Richard Branson or Joan Collins. And I quickly tell my Richard Branson story because I was lucky enough to meet him once on a ski trip in Verbier with a load of clients. He walked in with his entourage and flippantly, as a joke, I said, oh, there's, there's Richard Branson. I know Richard Branson. And of course, everyone went, of course, you don't know Richard Branson. Shut, you know, shut up. Stop. I went, no, 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 I know him. I just just playing along for a bit of banter. So I thought, I'm just going to, you know, I'll sit it out. Fast forward an hour and a half later, he's leaving the restaurant. I said, right, I'm going to go and say bye to Richard. And they went, oh, God, like all, all the eyes are rolling around the table. So I thought, right, I've got to go for it. So I got up, followed him out and said, Richard, you don't know me. Um, I've just told everyone on my table that we're really good friends. I don't know, can I, you know, just get a selfie or a photograph? And he went, sure, I love it, right? So we go to get this photo. He picks up a snowball, throws a snowball at me. So we have this little snowball fight outside. Everyone's watching it in now. I get this little selfie done. I've still got it on one of my like real proud photos. As he leaves, plays along. He was absolutely brilliant, by the way, especially some random just follows him out of the restaurant. Totally got into the spirit of it. As you walk past our window where the whole table were, he looked in, made that sign and went, call me you know mouth the words call me no. <laughs> and the whole table just erupted it was like jaw dropping moment of oh no he actually he's actually his friend what a, what a great lad well, i'm I so thought, impressed well, i always got to play along with that though you know just yeah, yeah, what a, yeah what a, everyone knows who's ever met him but you know I've, I've only met him briefly everyone you know just says he's, he's really good fun oh he's uh, top yeah, man he, i've got some lot of fun because the 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 main thing about the Pillow Bear Pirate is releasing the inner child. You know, it's it's yeah. being it, it's being the real you. You know, we all um we all had the ingredients of the most successful people on earth, and then we went to school. And at school, that's when the we became prisoners of other people's thinking. You know, he who asks doesn't get it. There's no more criteria it is to ask questions, chance. You know, if you think about a a, a four-year-old child, you know, the Apparently, a four-year-old child asks 437 questions a day. I didn't know it was so few. They never stop asking questions. How much passion, enthusiasm, how enthusiastic are young children? Yeah. You know, they believe, they believe in Father Christmas. They believe in two fairies. You know, their determination young kids have got. Oh, my goodness me. You know, they're, they, you know, they're forever, ever learning. They're forever grazing the knees, falling down. They're forever. We were all polar pirates when we went to school. And, and that's that's when we became prisoners of other people's thinking, and we started listening to people, and and, and that self belief, that self that that sort of that self doubt, sorry, sort of creeping in, because we started having all these imaginary sort of barriers and obstacles. A, a young child had it, it's boundless. Their imagination is boundless. They have no barriers in their mind. Yeah. They have no obstacles. You know, I joke about it when I'm on the state on stage. You know, I say, when's the last time? Any of you ever heard a young child turn around to you and say, it's going to rain later? You know, <laughs> you'll never so hear true. that. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that it, that sums up the polar bear pirate spirit, doesn't it? That I think it, as we age and, and, and move into adulthood, it's about unlearning as much as it is learning, isn't it? It's unlearning all of that structure that like keeps us locked in and, and denies us well, our creativity. All that, all and, that conditioning, yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting in your story about that that creativity was there right from the start when you were a policeman. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've experienced in my, my own life, funny enough, when I was broken. I wanted to be creative. Yeah. I didn't know how to express that. And that, like yourself, has come out in speaking and books and, and whatnot. And just on that note, I want to make sure we get to it. Let's talk about the, the, the book that's just come out, the TNTs. Yeah. Let's just talk about that briefly. Give us the overview of that one. 
TNTs. Well, I happen to have a copy here. Um, oh, the t that's that's tiny noticeable things. Tiny noticeable things are TNTs. They're absolutely tiny, but they're incredibly explosive, and they create the biggest, longest lasting pictures in people's minds. I'm going into my talk there. There are there are all the little explosive things we do that make a massive difference to people. They could be as small as a smile, as tiny as a thank you. Uh, a handwritten note uh, of appreciation or to say thank you to someone. Uh, there, For example, if you're, you're going through a train station and, and you're a regular commuter and each morning you go to the same place to get a cup of coffee and when you get there, the, the person's seen you coming across the concourse and they've all, already made you your, your coffee exactly as you want it. Yeah. You know, or they, you know, they put a little, give them a little bag and they put a cookie in it and make, you know, for you and they know. Or as small as remembering someone's first name. So, you know, you go there the second, third time, uh, the person serving you the coffee looks at you and says, morning, Andy, hope you have a good day. Take care. You know, that's it. That's a TNT. Yeah. That, that's, and, that, and that's when uh, customer service becomes a, 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 an experience. That's, that's, that's when we create a great experience. So TNTs, it's all about putting smiles on people's faces. It's all about making people feel good. You know, at the end of the day, it's all about how we make people feel, you know, and great people through their TNT actions, make people feel great. So that, that's what it's about. And I'll tell you what, in this day and age, that's why I decided to write a book about TNTs, because automated services, you know, and artificial intelligence, you know, these days, you know, most of the time when I'm out and about, you know, I, I, most of the customer service I experience, it varies from rubbish to mediocre to sort of not, not too bad. And it's only on the odd occasion I, I have, um, you know, a, a, a service experience that just blows me away. And I can probably count them on one hand in, in, in the space of 12 months. So I wanted to shine a light on how important the little things we are doing, because what's, what's wonderful about TNTs, they cost nothing. They're absolutely mm. free. It's free to say thank you to someone. It's free to remember someone's first name. It's free to smile. You know, it, it's free to put a, a little post-it note in, in someone's drawer somewhere just to say, look, really appreciate what you're doing at the moment and what a pleasure it is working with you. These things cost nothing and they just make such a massive difference to people, especially with all the stuff that we're going through at the moment. If I'm honestly, I think, I think customer service, the experience that a lot of businesses give people is just, is just appalling uh, and it could be so much better. And here's the real thing, the people delivering that service, they could be so, so, so much happier their days could be so shorter. They, they could have a, so much fun if they adopt that TNT attitude that everybody who, who they come into contact with, somehow they're going to try and make a little difference. They're going to exceed their expectations. They're going to create a little boom that just just, just yeah. blows them away. You know, even if it is, as I said, remembering someone's name or whatever it is, or remember, just now and again, just a smile. Whatever, whatever it is you can do. We can all do them. They make a difference. They cost nothing. Yeah, they're like little random acts of kindness or acts of kindness that, again, benefit both they're the tiny, giver they're tiny, and the tiny, receiver. They're tiny, tiny little things. Yeah. They're yeah. remembering, you know, if in, in the office when, you, you know, you decide to make coffee, coffees for everyone or teas for, you know, if someone takes milk or sugar, you know, they're, they're the tiniest of things. You know, when I'm speaking at big events when they're live, quite often people are chatting to me in coffee breaks and they're telling me how much they love working there or they're whispering in my ear, they're thinking of leaving. Either way, it's never to do with big stuff. It's always to do with the TNTs. Uh, and the number of times I'll have a young person who's just joined a big company 
will come up to me, uh, you know, a young guy, young girl, and they'll say, I'll tell you what, I, I, I love it here. I love working here. I'll say, why, why do you love it? Oh, it's just brilliant. What's so brilliant about it? Well, the second day I was here, I was in the office, and the chief executive happened to come in, got chatting to me and asked me how I was doing, chatted to me for 10 minutes or so. I couldn't believe it. Three weeks later, I bumped into them again. They remembered my first name. And these are the things, you know, and I say this to anybody watching this now, if you are a senior person, you know, never overlook the TNTs. That They're the big things to somebody else. You know, the difference you can make by just asking someone how they are or smiling or just making a bit of time, it shows you care. Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you just made there, that it's really the big things as to why people love you know, doing what they yeah. do or working where they were or they're unhappy. It's the little things that just chip away Ooh. either at that respect or add all that extra value. It's the small things, the TNTs that make the difference, remembering someone's name or whatever it is, yeah. whether you're in customer service or just generally in life, whether you're making someone a cup of tea for a loved one or paying it forward. These are the things that make a difference. And in the climate that we're in, I think that's just a beautiful philosophy for life, let alone. They, they cost nothing. And, yeah. and they're, they're the difference between a four and a five-star customer, customer experience. They are the difference between a four. They're the difference between a manager and a leader. Yeah. You know, the, the other day, the difference between a team that's floundering and a team that's absolutely flying. You know, it's all these little things. And, you know, and, and the most opportune time to really get TNTs blowing people away is when, when, when a customer, a client, whatever you want to call them, has a problem. That's when you can shine through your mistakes. You know, someone hasn't been delivered something, whatever it is, you know, and you put it in the back of your car and you drive it round to their house. That's when it is. Wow. Yeah. That's when it blows them away. You know, I, I remember speaking at an event just a couple of years ago, about 300 people in this packed room. It was a, I think it was a, a Ju July or something. It was a summer after summer's afternoon. It's absolutely cooking hot in there. I'm melting on stage. The audience are, are, are cooking. Uh, and they called the management uh, to, to explain that the air conditioning, it, it was so obvious the air conditioning had packed yeah. up. And this guy turns up, you know, and first of all, he started arguing with the client, saying that the telling, trying to tell them the air conditioning, that there was nothing wrong with it, you know? It's a big argument. Went, well, there's nothing wrong with it, you know? And besides, this room, it's always this temperature in it. You know, it's people like fanning themselves with yeah. conference brochures, you know, actually pouring in sweat, you know? And instead of, sort of, you know, looking at them and saying, I'll tell you what, I'll get on to it. I'll, I'll sort it out, you know? You know, straight away, an argument, trying to tell a customer that they don't have a problem. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then, then storms off in a huff, you know? And the MD of the company turned around to me and said, you know, Adrian, we've been here three years on the trot now. Never again, never again. You know, that, that, that 300 people, you imagine you know, the, the costs involved in this. And that yeah. person just lost that, that customer. And yet in the book there, you know, there's, there's, there's a guy there called Dino Cooper who takes his wife to a, a, a little backstreet restaurant in London. And the owner of the restaurant notices on his jacket, which is on the back of his chair, that, that one of the waiters or waitresses has, has um, spilt a, a, a drop of juice or something off a plate or whatever when they've gone past. Dino hadn't even noticed it. And the, the owner of the restaurant pointed it out and said, I'm so, so sorry. I'll tell you what, you can have the desserts on us, you can have the wine you just had on us. And also, I very much like it, if you're happy to leave it me, to, to have your, your jacket dry clean for you. Wow. you know, and, and 
he, he took it away. And the next day, you know, the day after, the, the jacket arrived at his home. It had been dry cleaned. I mean, you know, the, the total cost of that is pittance. You know, Dino, Dino Cooper, since then, has held, held all his Chris, all his work stews for all his staff at that, that, that restaurant. Yeah. Uh, he, he's recommended to so many people. And it's probably that, that's a, that small amount of money is being paid back with tens of thousands of pounds. You know, TNT. Yeah, I, I love it. And, you know, it's and the book is full of those little stories around the TNTs. And I think it's just it's just hammering home that home that message that, you know, it is the small things that count again, whether that's customer service or in life. And again, I'm really excited. I've got my copy due <laughs> any you. second now. And I'm going to do a review of that book actually on one of my Facebook lives. But that aside, um, what I just wanted to to round off with it's been a great session we're going to do this again by the way this is this is and this can is, i interrupt to say one yeah. thing on the tnts because customer service just think it's managers think it's all about their staff whatever doing delivering a great experience to customers it all starts right at the beginning the customer service with how you feel as a leader as a manager yourself it's then all about how your people feel and yeah. at the end of the day if you make your people feel taller they will grow the business. If your people in your team around you feel great and you feel great, your customers will feel great. Love it. Uh, there's, there's, there's three sides to it. How you feel, how you as a leader make your team feel and how the customer feels. And then in return, wow, the customer's blown away. Your people in the, the office, wherever, are blown away. You're blown away. It's all about how we all feel. Love I know it. I'm banging on, but I wanted to get that point across. It, no, I'm... I'm glad you did i'm glad you did and the book is out now it's in all good bookshops and online yeah. which is super yes. exciting so i encourage everyone to get a copy and the polar bear pirates way there because it's blooming Thank marvelous you. and like i said we'll do this again because there's so much more that i want to talk to you about but just before we go a question that i quite like to ask when i remember is has there been a book in your life i'm such a bookworm book fan book geek is there been a book that you'd recommend you probably not believe this, but I've actually written more books than I've ever read. I, I just don't tend to read read yeah. books. Now I sort of learn and I get my information about. But however, funny you ask that because a few months ago I didn't read a book and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was it was given to me and recommended to me. It's a book called Ten to Zen. Ten to Zen. Ten to Zen. And, okay. And the the author is Owen O'Kane. Uh, and it's it's how you can uh, set aside 10 minutes each day just to be able to relax, to unwind, to unclutter your mind uh, and just do a little bit of self-meditation. Uh, and I use it, practice it every day. It's a brilliant little book. Uh, and it made, it, I read it and it, I read it on a plane and it just made so much sense to me. Uh, and I find it really powerful. I can just step back, breathe, I can relax, unclutter that crazy, hectic mind that's running around all over. Uh, and just get some focus. And it, the main, main thing is it, it takes away the anxiety, the things that you're subconsciously worrying about. Uh, you can just let those things just drift away. It's a brilliant book. 10 to Zen. Highly recommend it. 10 to Zen. I'm all over it. That is a bit of me. And if it can control your mind, that's got to be a good investment as well, isn't it? So we've just increased everyone's bookshelf by magnitude of three. <laughs> of three. I always get these complaints. Stop talking about books. I can't fit anymore in the house my wife or husband or partner's going crazy about all the amazon deliveries but i can't help it because i love it and i'm so thrilled that you've joined me today i've absolutely loved this we will uh, do it well, again well, 
thank you thank you so much oh and where can we find out more about you oh uh get it www.adrianwebster.com it'd be, it'd be love, love, lovely to hear from you I, I, andy i can't thank you enough for having me on this and it's an absolute pleasure to, to talking to you and uh yeah uh, i'll say to anybody watching there if you go with your your gut instinct be yourself be authentic uh and whatever you do don't go overlooking those tnts uh yeah make Perfect. make a difference for people uh and and you'll feel good about yourself and uh yeah, go, go, with, go with your passion. Go with what you love doing and, and, and don't chase the money. If you're passionate about something and you like it, you become good at it, you start falling in love with it, you fall in love with it, you get better at it, you get better at it. Uh, and guess what? You, you start to get being, people start taking notice of you, you stand out and people start paying you for it. Uh, I, think, I think that's how it works. But all I know is I, I bloody love what I do and uh, yeah. I hope everyone finds what they're, they're, they're good at. Everyone has a talent somewhere. Nobody's a nobody. We all, we all have something to, to give. Absolutely wonderful. What a beautiful way to wrap up uh, this session today. Thank you, my man, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Oh, Andy, thank you so much. Cheers, guys. Thank you all. Thank you. Nice one. If you enjoyed this episode, please check out the shorter episodes, which are clips from my daily live show, The Fun Side of the Island with Andy Ramage that you can join every day at 7.15 a.m. BST by following at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube, search for Andy Ramage. Also, for the first time ever, I'm now training double accredited coaches in my unique coaching blueprint. Go to andyramage.com and check out courses for more information. And if you'd like to train with me on my latest online live course, The Arate Way, also head to andyramage.com courses. I'll make no secret of it. I would love to train with you. So let's make it happen. And I thank you for listening. It's deeply appreciated. The best thing you can do to show some love to the podcast is to click subscribe or follow. And don't forget the sponsors, Athletic Greens, who are giving our listeners a free year supply. Yes, free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today when you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy Ramage and sign up. And I love it most of all when you share the episode you enjoy on social media. You can just take a screenshot as you listen and then put it out and tag me in at Andy Ramage Official on Facebook and Insta. You're amazing. Finally, you can sign up to my free newsletter where I share exclusive posts along with things I'm enjoying, such as podcasts, books, quotes, TED Talks, and much more. And many of you message to say this is your favorite thing that I produce. So please check it out by going to andyramage.com and there is an option to sign up at the footer of every page. As always, a massive thank you to Matt McCormick for producing the podcast and thank you to Austin Sweetman for your digital promotions. You can find me on team at andyramage.com, at andyramageofficial on Insta and Facebook and Andy Ramage on YouTube. See you back here soon for another episode. Let's do this.